from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Quote, I'd add the future of the dome to the growing list of issues we've got downtown. We've got a big vacant dome and we've got big vacant office buildings. We've got to figure out how to get these things filled or at some point we have to start asking, should they be there? That was a shocking quote to hear from the aldermen representing downtown. I think that maybe there's starting to be a psychology shift. Maybe you have to start thinking about them differently in a sense. The Battlehawks paid $100,000 a game for five games. So if you do the math, that by itself doesn't make a dent in the kind of money that we're talking about for upkeeping the dome. I'm Sarah Fenske. Did Stan Kroenke and the NFL deceive St. Louis and violate league relocation rules, too? Those are the issues in the high-stakes litigation that's been playing out in a city courtroom in recent months. The case is now set for trial next January. And yes, if it goes to trial, it will be in front of a St. Louis jury. But those are not the only matters hanging in the balance. Also at issue, the 26-year-old dome that once housed the Rams. And joining us today to explain why and some of the factors at play is Jacob Kern. Jacob is the economic development editor for the St. Louis Business Journal. So, Jacob, welcome back. Happy Friday. So you had a great story sort of outlining where things stand for the Dome. And as you report in that story, uh, the Dome is paid off. Why does its fate suddenly become an urgent issue in the next couple of years? Well, it's because more than 30 years ago, the plan that crafted the development of the Dome, and the Dome opened in 1995, the plan called for three governments that paid for the construction of the Dome, the city, St. Louis County, and the state, also to make uh, preservation payments, maintenance payments for the Dome, $4 million a year, two from the state and one each from the city and county. The problem, though, is that that money's running out. So the plan has those payments expiring in early 2024, so in less than three years. And the dome is expensive. Hmm. Uh, We obtained records showing that, you know, it can be several million dollars a year in in maintenance costs. There's also an issue where um, the dome's roof has never been completely replaced and the officials there acknowledge, you know, that that's definitely a possibility. That's an over $4 million project. So the the entity that, that holds the dome, called the RSA, um, has limited funding. As I said, this funding is running out from mm-hmm. the plan that developed the dome. And the RSA is the main plaintiff in the NFL lawsuit um, against the Rams and the NFL. So if that litigation doesn't go St. Louis's way, doesn't go the RSA's way, it's really not clear how the dome would be maintained long term. Um, and the governments aren't saying, the policymakers aren't saying. Yeah, I mean, prior to reading your story, I hadn't even realized that this these funds are set to expire in the next couple of years here. Is anyone talking about, okay, we need to renew these funds. Let's start talking about, you know, how we can continue to be taxed to pay for maintenance on this dome. Well, the governments have said nothing for that piece. And the, the reason that they cite is because of the litigation. They don't mm-hmm. want to say something that can somehow affect um, the litigation. 
At the same time, the pitch that is made from the CVC, Explore St. Louis, which operates the convention center, which is connected to the dome, and the CVC, because of an agreement with the RSA, operates the dome. Mm -hmm. And what they say is, yes, the rents that are paid by um, events that use the dome, and normally, so pre-COVID, there might be a couple dozen, up to 30. Mm The rents don't cover those operating costs that we just talked about that can be millions of dollars. But what they say is that the hotel taxes, the restaurant taxes, everything that comes off of those events at the Dome are extremely important and are sort of more money, more economic activity than the actual preservation payments. So I think they'd like to see some kind of a renewal of those maintenance funds. But as you said, there's really no plan right now. And so the Dome is part of, um, you know, it used to host the Rams. It it sometimes hosts other big events. But it's also part of sort of the convention map here that we can apparently get some conventions to come here in part because we have the Dome. I mean, does that make it worth continuing to preserve? It's what that's what Kitty Ratcliffe says, is that there are these conventions that do use the Dome and there's a connection Um, an annex that connects the convention center with the dome. They've actually talked before that they wanted to expand that so that it would be easier for all of these people to get into the dome. You know, you think about volleyball, you think about monster trucks, you think about all these types of convention things that, that use that facility. And there is an agreement between the RSA and the CVC to continue having the CVC operate the dome, and it runs through 2028. And as part of that agreement, which was reached in 2019, they knew this was coming. Mm -hmm. And in there it says, you know, we're going to try our hardest to limit the maintenance money because we know it's running out. So they realize that there's a serious problem. So are we just waiting, hoping that we can win this lawsuit and that the NFL and Stan Kroenke are going to give us the money to solve the problem? I mean, is that kind of the strategy here at this point? Perhaps there's a different strategy going on behind the scenes, but it seems like officially that that kind of is the strategy to, you know, see what they can get out of this litigation. And of course, they're they're seeking a lot of money. I mean, you've said this could be as much as a billion dollars that comes out of this. Now, obviously, that's if things go the city's way and and the county's way and all the government entities that that are a part of this. Um, Do we know that that money would necessarily go to this entity, again, the St. Louis Regional Convention and Sports Complex Authority that takes care of this? Or could this money end up going into the city's coffers, the county's coffers? Well, it depends on the resolution of the case. So, if it goes to a jury trial, the jury would decide, okay, this, so there are three entities that are the plaintiffs, and the jury would say, you, the city, were damaged X amount. You, the RSA, were damaged X amount, because the RSA spent $18 million on the plan to try to keep the Rams with mm-hmm. a Mississippi Riverfront Stadium. So in theory, that could be part or all of their damage, mm-hmm. uh, that they were induced to spend that money. Um, if it were settled, there would have to be an agreement between the city, the county, and the RSA in terms of 
what will I accept? What will you accept? What will the NFL actually give us? Um, so it's really not at all completely clear where the money would end up or how it would be used. So one of the most interesting things in your story, and again, this is in the St. Louis Business Journal, if people want to check this out for themselves, it's written by Jacob Kern, who's our guest here today. You quoted some people saying, I don't know, we maybe should tear this thing down. Alderman Jack Coder said, quote, I'd add the future of the dome to the growing list of issues we've got downtown. We've got a big vacant dome and we've got big vacant offices buildings. We've got to figure out how to get these things filled, or at some point we have to start asking, should they be there? That was a shocking quote to hear from the aldermen representing downtown. Yeah, I mean, I think that maybe there's starting to be a psychology shift in terms of who can we get to fill all these things, AT&T Tower, Railway Exchange, to, well, year after year, if they're not getting filled, maybe you have to start thinking about them differently in a sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob Clark is thinking about it differently. I'm glad you brought up Bob Clark. Let's talk about what Bob Clark, he's the CEO of Clayco. What does he want to do here? He wants to demolish the dome and the current um, convention center, which of course, I think you have to back up a little bit to say that there's a current plan to expand the convention center to the West, a $210 million plan that's supposed to be funded by the, the city and the county. The county is holding up its its funding right now. But what Bob says is that that plan is inadequate and it will not boost meeting um, business enough. So he wants to build kind of, not himself, but he's advocating that St. Louis build kind of a massive contiguous convention center akin to Nashville's, if anyone has seen that next to the Bridgestone Arena in downtown Nashville. Um, an above-grade building that would run from roughly coal down to Convention Plaza. And if you're familiar with the geography of downtown, that would, of course, involve demolishing the dome. And he, you know, he sort of cites this problem that we identified and says, you know, it's actually more serious than even you say, the the newspaper says, and this would solve that problem. So he's talking about $800 $800 million if they went with his plan versus the $210 million that are on the table. That's a huge amount of money in a city that I understand we have some additional federal funds these days. That's a lot of money for a city like St. Louis. It is a lot. And you also would have to question, you know, say that this federal infrastructure money does come here and Congress passes that and St. Louis gets, even if it's an awful lot, hundreds of millions of dollars. I would really seriously question whether the Jones administration and the uh, legislative process would allocate that kind of money towards something like that. Mm-hmm. Understanding sort of their priority and and thinking and psychology at this point, I would have. I would think that would be a tough sell for them. Yeah, I think it's a very tough sell with a, a progressive uh, politician like Mayor Tashara Jones. On the other hand, there's also a lot of criticism of these sort of projects from conservatives, people who want a smaller government. The City Journal, which is a publication from that viewpoint, they had a great piece recently looking at conventions in general. I'm going to read a quote from that piece. Even before COVID-19, the rationale for convention centers rested on optimistic projections. Local officials used low-cost municipal 
bonds to raise funds to build or renovate centers, partly because private industry was wary of investing in these mega projects. The cities then promised bond buyers that taxes on hotel rooms and other spending by visitors would pay off the debt. Projects arose at a dizzying pace from the mid-1990s through 2010. Cities added 30 million square feet of convention space, an increase of 75 percent. And the story continues. The only problem? The growth of the convention business didn't keep pace. In fact, it declined. From 2000 to 2010, the number of attendees at conventions fell by nearly a third, from 126 million to 86 million. Most new projects failed to meet projections. And that is not just in cities that maybe have a higher profile, like Boston and Chicago. That's pre-COVID. Right. I mean, are your sources confronting the idea that, hey, convention business may not even be as big of a thing now that we all like being on Zoom, supposedly? I think it's a really good question and a serious question moving forward is what that business looks like. But even when the con- the current convention center project was conceived of, was approved, was designed, Kitty Ratcliffe, who, who runs the CBC, acknowledged, yes, it's not overall, it is not a growing business, but there has been so much investment in our peers that if we don't do this, even the slice that we currently have is going to decrease and it's going to be devastating. It's such a depressing thought that, yeah, this might not pay for itself, but we can't stand to lose what we'd lose if we don't even have this. Right. That's basically her pitch. Wow. And that pitch is they're likely to proceed with this. You said the county's holding this up. My understanding is that the county's probably not likely to hold it up permanently. I wouldn't think so because, um, you know, uh, there's so much writing on it and they're supposed to fund half of it. Interestingly, the money that's being allocated to the convention center expansion to the West is the same money that built the dome. (laughs) So the money uh, that built the dome those bonds were paid off last month, and the plan was to just use that same money from the city and county, but not from the state, to expand the convention center to the west. Interesting. So going back to this question of the dome, should the dome continue to exist? Is the maintenance cost worth it? We put a poll on Twitter. The results are very unscientific, I'll be the first to admit. But we did get, you know, more than 100 people weighted. 57.7% said to demolish the dome. 42% said to keep it for big events. What's your sense from the sources, elected officials, power players you've talked to if you had to have a ballpark Figure. Do you think that the public that responded on Twitter is in line with the conventional thinking? Or is I don't demolishing know, but, the dome still kind of more outside the box? Yeah, I don't know. But one, one thing that has kind of stuck out to me and that I think there is a misunderstanding in the public is there has been kind of this pushback that, well, the XFL could come back and the Battle Hawks can come back. And they, of course, were very successful in that building. Uh, the parts that were opened were, were filled and it was very exciting. Um, And there seems to be this idea, maybe from sports fans, that if you have that in there, it makes the Dome work financially somehow. Mm -hmm. The Battlehawks paid $100,000 a game for five games. So if you do the math, that by itself doesn't make a dent in the kind of money that we're talking about for upkeeping the Dome. Now, I'm not saying that it's not worth it to have the Dome because you still have to to think about this equation that, that Kitty Ratcliffe would give you, that the people coming down there, the taxes, but the idea that having a sports team in there for a few days is going to help the Dome stay there uh, by itself is not correct. Hmm. And, the, and actually, the Battlehawks um, paid more than the Rams. The Rams paid almost nothing. They paid $250,000 
to play all of their games at the Dome. Man, the more I hear about some of the economics of these big dome projects and, and professional sports, the more I just find myself shaking my head. I, I feel like with the level of understanding you have, you must be doing a lot of head shaking. Well, the Rams deal is considered the worst of all time <laughs> by every major sports economist in the country. Um, there was a gentleman in Vanderbilt, I remember, who, who said, oh, yeah, it's, it's the holy grail of the worst ever, um, which, of course, is a, re a factor in why the Rams left. We all know the top tier clause in the lease. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> Jacob Kern, it's good to know. Actually, it's terrible to know. St. Louis is number one in something, the holy grail of bad sports deals. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.